Hi, this is Bruce Buffer, and you're listening to the Bronson Beard Podcast. Welcome back to the Bronson Beers Podcast. We have an incredible guest joining us today. He is a former NFL cornerback that played all 12 seasons of his career with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He won two Super Bowls, had 636 tackles and 14 interceptions throughout his illustrious career. Please help me welcome the legend himself, Ike Taylor, to the show. Woo! I appreciate you. Hey, look. If I would have cut, if I would have cut half of them tackles and got half of them interceptions, I would have been in the Hall of Fame. Right yeah. Now, you know? <laughs> hey, Man, that's all right. You had a hell of a career, so I, I don't care if you're in the Hall or not. You you had an amazing career, so um, appreciate it. What's it What's it like to kind of spend your entire career with one team? Like nowadays, you don't see that a ton with with players. Like, what was that kind of like? Do you not that you would ever regret anything, but I guess walk me through that. So that's all I know. Like, yeah, just like just to hear like, so I got a Hall of Fame owner, two owners. I got a Hall of Fame art, um, 1933, who founded the Pittsburgh Steelers. Then I got a Hall of Fame. I call him Papa, R.I.P. Papa, Dan Hall of Fame. So then I got a Hall of Fame GM, Kevin Colbert. He gonna wind up going to the Hall of Fame. I already played for a Hall of Fame coach, and Coach Dick LeBoy is my defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start off with the first offensive line coach I had, Russ Grimm, right? Yeah. Hall of Fame. He was with the Hogs in Washington back in the day when they won Super Bowls. Um, So then I go to my head coach, Coach Bill Cowher, Hall of Fame coach. So now I go to Coach Tomlin, who's probably going to go to the Hall of Fame. So just yeah. like everybody who was in the higher ups, whether you was an owner or whether you was a, a coach, you're in the Hall of Fame. So all I've been surrounded by is greatness. Yeah. And we're not even going to talk about the 70 Steelers who founded it. The Mean Joe Greens, the Lynn Swans, oh, yeah. the Terry Bradshaws, the R.I.P. Franco Harris, like everybody who came around all the time. So, And I'm not even going to get into the guys I played with, the Troy Palomalus, the Alan oh, yeah. Fanica, Big Ben going to go, yeah. um, Marquise Pouncey going to go. It's just like Joy Porter going to wind up going, Hines Ward going to wind up going. It's just like... The list go. James Harrison gonna wind up going. So the list is mm-hmm. like goes on and on. So all I know, like everybody, like Deuce Staley, when he came from Philly, he was like, "I see why y'all win Super Bowls." Yeah, yeah. You know, um, it never made sense to leave. It was, it was you were set up. So it, yeah, it, it 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 really didn't. Like just hearing the stories from everybody leaving other teams and coming to Pittsburgh, and it, and everybody said the same thing. Like, yeah. oh, we see why y'all win. So y'all, y'all are real live brotherhood. So it, it didn't. Like I had the opportunity to lead twice, but I'd be damned if I did. I'm so yeah. glad. I did. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Wait, real quick. Like, does it really mean that much to be a Hall of Famer to you nowadays? Like, oh. uh, is, it, is it eating out at the back of your mind? Nah, nah, nah. You fo- nah, it, it, it don't. It's just I got a son and he's real good at football. He's the number one ranked safety right now for his class, 2025. Mm-hmm. But – he really do appreciate his dad. And I tell I tell people all the time, like, I didn't get all the genetics. Like, I was super athletic. But my son, he's a superior athlete. So, obviously, his story is going to be better than mine. And that's all you wish for as a parent. You know what I'm saying? Like, your kid always be better than you. One, as an athlete, if you are. Two, as a person. So, them two, yeah. them two right there, man. He's a better athlete and a better person than I am. So, that's what gives me joy 
to be a dad and a father, you know what I'm saying? A yeah. friend, whatever he wants me to be. So that's what I love about that. So far as like the Hall of Fame, like I shortcut myself on doing that. If he goes the way he's going right now, he'll wind up making that. And I'm putting a lot of pressure, just saying, it to, I'm, I'm just saying it to y'all, I would never say it to him. I'm just saying it to y'all, <laughs> but I see it from a distance. So, you know, every time you don't get them genes, everything genetically ain't given to you. And it's a reason why. So. Yeah. I take, I eat it, I eat it on not going. Um, he'll make enough plays and have an opportunity to go. So that's what makes me proud as a dad. So I ain't tripping on the Hall of Fame. It's awesome. It's kind of nice sure. for him to have you as that father figure too, obviously, like going through all of this. Like you've experienced everything, every step of the way. So it's like you can pretty much guide him to where he needs to be. And yeah, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. So Coach T and Bill Cowell, like one thing I liked about Coach T and Coach Cowell was if you had a son, man, they was able to come to training camp. Mm -hmm. So in training camp, they was able to either be ball boys or equipment managers, and they was able to, you know, stay in your room and help out and chill that's with cool. one of the guys. So that's all my son knows. All my son knows is training camp. And everybody who I played with, he called him uncle, you know, yeah. and vice versa. Whoever had a boy and the kids, they called me uncle. But it was a time where we just winning all the time. Either we was going to the playoffs or we was going to the Super Bowl. So all they saw was the work ethic we put in, all they saw was um, having a tough skin. And that's us, yeah. you know, holding each other accountable. And that's rare these days. Like, if I made a mistake, you know, the guys look at me and they'll tell me I'm messing up. And I can go in the tank or I make an excuse about it. But mm -hmm. they'll hold me accountable with it. So that's why I love the time I was playing with Pittsburgh. Everybody hold, held each other, other accountable. And the only reason why, because it was all love. Like you want to surround yourself around people and friends who really love you. They hold they hold you accountable, but you got to accept it. And I think just a lot of people don't accept good friendship, and they'll rather call it hating to be like, nah, somebody really do care about me. So you know, yeah. between two thousand three and two thousand fourteen, when I retired, all them dudes did was care about you know fourth round draft pick going to play one year at corner Ike Taylor, mm -hmm. and all I could do was not let them down. And when I did, I didn't make an excuse about it. I owned up to it. Um, and we appreciate each other. So that's what I love. And that's what my son saw. Like, and my son, my son got it 10 times worse than me. Like, he hold himself too accountable to where if they lose a game, he feel like it was all his fault. And I'm like, nah, bro, it ain't never your fault. Like, all the time. It's your fucking fault. <laughs> 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 it, ain't, it ain't never his fault, but I I respect that because they got a lot of adults that don't hold themselves accountable. Yeah. So I'm like, if my son at 16 years old can hold himself accountable, he ready for the world. So he ready, he, he already ready to start his family. Like I told my son when he was 12 years old, like, I'm good on passing. And yeah. the reason why I'm good on passing because you just get life. You hold yourself, you hold yourself accountable. So not too many parents can say they're good on passing their life because they feel like they still have more to instill in their kid. Mm -hmm. My kid just saw damn near everything at a high level, so and he got it. So what yeah. I got at 28 years old, he got at 12 years old. So that's what just that's, makes that's me amazing. Proud, yeah, yeah. He it's almost like he's already got that like head start that that, that jump on life in his career. That's that's great. Now you so, said the best the jump on life. Yep. Yep. And uh, so I know that early on in your career in high school, you were playing like multiple positions. You had like four positions or something in high school, even in college, you, you were playing a couple. And then you kind of um, talked to them about playing cornerback. At what point in your career did you realize like cornerback's my position? Was it college or 
did you know the whole time? So we ran a wing team in high school, right? Mm-hmm. So I was a wing back in high school. We ran uh we ran a four three, we ran a four three on defense. So I was actually a defensive end. So okay. picture, picture you being <laughs> one sixty playing defensive end. <laughs> and the reason why I played defensive end because I was super aggressive. Now Eddie, who was like two fifty on the other side, he was an all state defensive end that I played with. You know, so Eddie had the frame and the body to play the defense end. They just put me on defense end because I was super aggressive and super quick. Mm-hmm. But um, I think I played corner like one game in high school, okay. but I played running back in high school as well. That was my main position. So I wound up going to college, wound up walking on to UL, and I played running back. But Garrett Bartell, I still remember this. Garrett Bartell, he was a secondary coach at the time, and he talked – he talked just like this because he was from Texas. I, he said, look, I, I'm going to tell you this right now, I, you need to transfer over to cornerback, I, because you'll have a better chance to make it to the NFL. You're fast, you're big, I can get you to cover, and this is what the NFL is transitioning to. So I said, coach, are you for real? He was like, yeah. So we wound up firing our head coach, and we wound up getting Virginia Tech coach at the time. I don't know if y'all know his name. His name was Ricky, Ricky, uh, Ricky Bustle, Coach Bustle. Okay. He had Mike Vick at uh at Virginia Tech. And he was like, look, if you stay a running back, I guarantee you, you can get 1,200 yards. So I said, you know what, man? Let me pray on this. Prayed on it. And I wound up sticking to uh cornerback. And at the time we had Charles Tillman. Yeah. Peanut. Yeah. So Charles Tillman was highly highly recruited coming out of uh, high school, let alone going to the NFL. Everybody wanted him at the time. I think he was like the 38th pick or 36th pick to Chicago. But um, I was the shortest guy in the secondary. So picture your two safeties, 6'4", 6'5". Peanut, he was like 6'2 and a half, 6'3", and I'm just 6'2". So we had a secondary. We was ranked in the nation. We just had the time. We couldn't put it all together as far as like a team. But that's why I transitioned over. I transitioned over the corner. I ain't never looked back. Awesome. No, that, that, that's great. That's a great story because you hear a lot about uh, a lot of young kids. They get put in multiple positions uh, in high school. And, and it's always fun to hear kind of how they how they end up on, on their final position. But um, do you know uh, David Gilreath by chance? I think he was on the Steelers for a hot minute when you were there in 2012. Gil- Gilreath? Yeah, David Gilreath. He was out of Wisconsin, yeah. played wide receiver. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I was wondering if you had any good stories about covering him, like in practice or anything, and uh, and and lighting him up, maybe. <laughs> nah, nah, I don't. Hey, listen, that's one thing about <laughs> Pittsburgh. If it's one position they look at and they draft well, it's receivers. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you can go all the way back to Stallworth, Swan, then you can fast forward to Hines. Flex, Antoine Randall, then you can fast forward some more to Santonio Holmes, Mike Wallace, Emmanuel Sanders, Antonio Brown. Then you can fast forward to Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster. Mm-hmm. Now you can fast forward to um, Deontay Johnson, uh, George Pickens, mm-hmm. and we just acquired uh, Calvin Calvin Austin the third two years ago. So that's one thing Pittsburgh do do. They if they don't do nothing well, man, they draft <laughs> wide receivers. Wide receivers. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mr. We Taylor. Had... No, yeah, Drew go. Oh, Mr. Taylor, do you uh 
you still care about football? Like, you still watch it? So I'm I'm a scout for Pittsburgh now. Perfect. So okay. Me. I just want to make sure before <laughs> I say anything. Yeah, yeah. They hired me. They hired me last year as a scout. Perfect. So what do you think of Pickens? Alien. He's very good. <laughs> he, but he, he don't he don't. Hopefully he'll listen to this show. He don't even know how good he is and how good he can be. Like he he just loved a, he just loved a game of football. And we always talk about for Pittsburgh things you don't get credit for. Like as a as a corner for Pittsburgh, you don't get credit for tackling. But you just named it. I didn't have six six hundred and thirty something tackles. We watched George Pickens not only catch spectacular catches in the NFL, but he loves blocking. And that's a want to. So in Pittsburgh, we always talk about things you don't get credit for, but it's something that you want to do. And that's what George, Hans, Ward's, Hans Ward did it best. Um, and that was a domino effect. Santonio Holmes did it best. And George Pickens is taking it to a whole nother level, especially as a rookie. So um, when I say he's an alien, and then you hear the Peyton Manning talk about him, you hear the Joe Burrow talk about him. Kenny Smith all already know what he has from George Pickens as far as like being a special talent. So it's just a kid, man. George is a good kid. He don't even know, but once he find out and understand, like he's a rare breed, he's rare, he's an alien, it's going to be a lot of trouble in my mind. Yeah. Statement is, a. I don't think he cares about catching the ball. I, I think he cares about pushing the guy on the ground. Every time I see him <laughs> line up with a with a secondary, he it's always about pushing him to the ground. And yeah, he, that's uh, why I think he's going to be amazing. He's different, man. He all the one. He all around wide receiver. And that's that's rare these days. Usually receivers, um, they divas, and I get why they divas. They want <laughs> if you special and you know you good, you always want the ball because you always feel like you're gonna make a play. So George, I think George ended up with like eight hundred and sixty something yards, but it's a few catches that he made throughout his rookie year, like whether it was on the sideline or over the middle. Like, dang, this dude gonna be special. And mm-hmm. former former players and even players who play today, they look at George. And that's one thing I do like about the NFL. Like, you ain't got no time to lie to yourself. When you see greatness and you see a special talent, you just acknowledge it. Like, that's why I love football and going to the corporate world. That's why I think that's what made me, you know, adjust to the corporate world even faster. Like, the corporate world might look at it like, oh, I'm always better than him. Or I'm, I'm just, I'm, you know, but – Nah, like when you see somebody with good talent, whether it's in sports or the corporate world, coming from football, you just had to acknowledge it because either you're going to ride that person coattail because they're going to help you be successful or you're just going to be 100% honest with yourself. Like, oh, yeah, this dude's just cold at what he do. And what I mean by cold is like he's just good yeah. at what he do. So that's why a lot of people come to former players who, who were successful corporate-wise, and they want to know how are you successful. And the first thing I tell them was, we acknowledge who better than you. Like that point-blank period. Like, mm-hmm. you good, but I'm good, but I knew from the first practice, like, Troy Polamalu was better than you. Mm-hmm. Like, you get that, you just get that off the rip. Like, Big Ben is special. You know, yeah. um, George Pickens is special. You know, Jerome Bennis was special. Mm-hmm. You know, AB was special. You know, so once you once you get into that mindset, they push you, and that's when the term the terminology comes in. Iron shoppers, iron. So you always try to live up to their expectations, even though you might not hit it. You know, you still hitting a high level 
of consistency when you're dealing with those kind of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Did you have any um, like favorite teams that you faced, and then like least favorite teams that you would you would go up against? So I can name this all in one. Like my favorite, my least favorite was the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> you know that. that that's just what it was. It was an yeah. understanding that y'all ain't like us, we ain't like y'all. Mm-hmm. You know, but it was always like a mutual respect because we felt like we had the blueprint before them, and they wound up getting our blueprint, and they won. They won a few times with our yeah. blueprint. So yeah, um, that was always well, a mutual. Who, who, respect. who was bugging you with the, with the Ravens? Like well, which, nobody, which wide receivers? No, well, nobody. Like I never cared about wide receivers. Oh, that's know? true. My 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 thing was. I always respected whether you was on the practice squad and you they activated you up to play or whether you was an all-pro or pro ball. Like, I always respected everybody because I took nobody for granted. Because mm-hmm. you know the old saying, any given Sunday. Yep. <laughs> and that's how I walked on the field with it. So, regardless, I was never beefing with no receiver, but um, I always respected every receiver that I went up against. Yeah. It was it was more that's- just about the team rivalry then with the Ravens. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And just a quick comment. Uh, I did see an interview of you after Garden Ocho Cinco, I think. And uh, you said the same thing then. And uh, I thought that was just a brilliant answer. Like, you didn't come off as cocky. You didn't come off as – you just said, uh, like, uh, do, do you respect – do you think that they're amazing? You're like, I just respect everybody. And then he's like, well, do you think they respect you? And you're like, I hope so. <laughs> it, it, that'd be, it, that'd it, be nice if they did. <laughs> It ain't matter. The fact that I played one year in my position in college and I wound up going to three Super Bowls and winning two Super Bowls and I was on some defenses historically, statistically wise, that was real good. Mm -hmm. You can say what you want to say about me. So I tell people all the time, a fourth rounder only played corner for one year, uh, let alone you playing your position from high school to college for multiple years. And I played longer than you. That says a lot about me. So people can say what they want to say. Love it. Love that. Love it. Yeah. Um, do you have any like hits, like memorable hits that you've either given out or you've taken on your side? Um, oh man. <laughs> my 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 dog went to West Virginia. Pat White went to West Virginia. He was the quarterback at the time for Miami. Um a superior a superior athlete. Um, I don't think people understand. Right now he's working for the LA uh Chargers. I think he's in a on a on a quarterback staff as well. But Pat White was a superior athlete. Um, Pat White could have went pro in baseball, but his love was football. Mm-hmm. And that offseason before um, I hit him, um, I trained with him at West Virginia at the time because my son's mom, she went to West Virginia as well. So I was just staying for the summer, like three weeks training with him and his brother. And it wound up being a vicious hit, and he wound up retiring after that hit. Um, but, you know, my homeboys always talked about uh, catching a body. Like, dang, I, you can hit, but you ain't never had a body. I'm like, man, what's your body? They was like, man, you ain't never put nobody to sleep. And I was like, dang, y'all brainwashing me. Like, that's, <laughs> that's what the Pittsburgh still the linebackers did. The linebackers, of course. So, um, that's what happened. As far as, like, taking a, a severe hit, Ryan Clark, or uh, friendly fire. Ryan Clark was probably the hardest hit I took. Um, Ray Rice was on the sideline, and Ryan was trying to smack Ray Rice on the sideline, and I wind up catching the bad end of the stick. Oh. And, uh, man, when I say, you know how you gas for air? So I gas for air, right? 
I gas for air, but I couldn't catch my air, so they wind up calling the TV timeout because oh. I was still laying on the field, and um, I was trying to talk with my eyes. So they was like, "Ike, you okay?" And I was looking at them like, "Hell no, I'm not okay." <laughs> so I'm looking at them with my eyes like, "Bro, I can't. I'm not okay." And once I got some kind of air, I started wheezing. So I was wheezing, catching the air, and um, I always been a teammate. If somebody got hurt, I laugh at them. So once I caught my air, you know, them boys, they just cracked on me and they was laughing at me. <laughs> I was like, F y'all. But that's did, just how we were. Did you did you sit out at all or were you right back in the game? I sat out one play and I came right back. Hell yeah. I love that. I love that. Not to kick your homeboy down a pat, but uh he never even had a pass and you and you knocked him out, man. That's that's cold. You know what I mean? <laughs> The announcers are talking right before you hit. They're like, "Oh, he he just needs to get that first one out of the way." <laughs> you just that. crushed. So I saw I saw James Ferry, the pot dog. James Ferry running, and all I was thinking, if pot dog beat me before I get to Pat White, I'm only I can only imagine what they're gonna say on Monday for the meetings watching this tape. And I said, "Man, he can't beat me to Pat White." So. Once I got there, I just let loose. <laughs> I guess We're, so, man. And uh, injuries are a part of the game, so I, I'm sorry, Pat. But right, right. right. I, I I know you said you uh, never really worried or thought about wide receivers. Were, were there any like running backs that you ever like kept? Uh, like I don't know. You you just kind of had in the back. Dude, of your he mind. ain't gonna <laughs> nobody, Sean. Nah, 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 nah. I, I don't think Corey Dillon get his respect yeah. as a running back, 6'3", 240, 245. Yeah. Like, I remember Corey Dillon breaking loose for Cincinnati, and uh, he saw me, and while he was running, he was like, and this, these were his exact words while he was running. Mm-hmm. Come here, boy. Like, before he before he ran me over, he was like, come here, boy. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Uh-oh. Here, here we go. This not about to be good at all. Um, also, from Corey Dillon, Fred Taylor was a Pittsburgh still a killer at the time. You know, every time we played Jacksonville, Jacksonville was like the Pittsburgh of the South. Yeah. Every time we played Fred T, he had between 100 and 150 every time. And they had a plethora of running backs. They had MJD. They had uh, LeBron and Tofield. They had Greg Jones. They just had a backfield. So they would just rotate running backs. Yeah. So you you knew by the end of the day, if they had 70 plays, 60 of them was run plays. Wow. <laughs> and it was going to be a long day. <laughs> That's tough. That's tough. Um, so I, I live in Wisconsin, and that by default means that I'm uh I have a little bit of love for the Packers. Um I know, obviously, they they beat you guys in the one Super Bowl. Um, right, right. Looking back at that Super Bowl, like, was there anything that could have been done differently, or like, how how do you see that playing out? Like, could could you guys have won that if something else happened, or or was it just a game? Yeah. Who they played a little so, better. Or... So we definitely could have won, but Aaron Rodgers, like <laughs> the throws he was making, yeah. We we got back to the sideline, and usually Coach LeBeau, Coach LeBeau will give you something, and he'll say, 
Coach LeBoy said in a polite way, but even he said it like, y'all in position, he just throwing everything on the thread. Yeah. Ain't nothing, ain't nothing y'all gonna do. You wanna talk about having the perfect game? Like Aaron Rodgers for that Super Bowl in Dallas, he had a perfect game. Yeah. Damn that everybody, other than two plays, everybody on the defensive side, if he was in the secondary, was in position to make a play. But it was just Aaron was showing Aaron was throwing the ball to where only his receivers can catch it. Yeah. You know, so and we'll just go back to the sideline, fellas, <laughs> and be like, damn, this dude good. <laughs> <laughs> that, would you, would you throw him in the alien talk too? Would you throw him in that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> the prettiest, the the prettiest, the best looking from from his technique to throwing, to to throwing it effortlessly. So, and I tell people all the time, Aaron Rodgers was Patrick Mahomes before Patrick Mahomes. He just mm -hmm. didn't get it two rings. Yeah. But as far as like throwing the ball, the spiral, the placement of the ball, the prettiest ball, it's dude, not too many like, people. You're gonna make me throw up, dude, if you keep talking. He's a, a Vikings he's a, fan he's a over Vikings here. Fan. You make me throw up. But you I mean you see I love to hear you, it. You didn't see you didn't see we call him AR twelve. Yeah. AR twelve throw that thing like nobody else. Yeah, he's 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 crazy to watch, and it should be interesting to see what he's going to do with the Jets too. So, um, kind of excited for that. Drew, no, uh, AR yeah. different. He different. He different. Yeah. He, he definitely an alien. Yeah. <laughs> Drew, what, what else uh, he got here? I want to hit Mr. Taylor with some, you know, kind of more of a coaching type of thing, but uh, I want to hear the inside. So, someone said, okay, so let's use the Vikings last year, okay? Yeah trashiest defense I've ever seen bottom <laughs> of the barrel 30th Ed Donatel not not blaming anybody why were they so bad and why can you not adjust to make changes oh um, <laughs> I feel like that's a loaded question <laughs> nah, I'm trying to see how I'm gonna say this without without disrespecting nobody yeah um because I got people like me at the local bar, you know, <laughs> talking like they, they know what they're talking about. And we know nothing. We know nothing. Where we, you know what I'm saying? It's levels of culture. It's levels of culture. Like, like how we started this, this call off. I was surrounded by Hall of Fame coaches. So look at last year. Coach Tomlin started off two and six. He ended the season nine and eight with a rookie quarterback. Let me say yeah. this again. Yeah. He started off two and six, ended the season nine and eight with a rookie quarterback. Yeah, it's but he played the Vikings teams, the first eight games. <laughs> it's a it's a lot of teams who got quarterbacks who've been playing in the league for a long time that just ended nine and eight. To have a rookie quarterback from two and six to nine and eight says a lot about the coaching part. Mm -hmm. So you get paid off of your second half adjustments, coaching wise. Coaching wise, it ain't how you start; it's, a, it's how you finish. So, and we see this as players. We see when a a player makes the coach look good, and we see when a coach make the team look good. So. 
I mean, Minnesota always been they're gonna make the playoffs. But we knew how far they're gonna go in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, and they they just couldn't never get over that hurdle because they always had talent. Mm -hmm. Always, especially with JJ doing right now. When you get a when you get rid of stuff on digs, that says a lot about Justin Jefferson, mm -hmm. correct? And at the time, Adam Thielen, right? So when you got them kind of guys, it's like, okay, we get rid of so-and-so, but then when Justin Jefferson almost hit, you know, a two-piece when it came down to receiving, Adam Thielen was working the slot, and then you had a Dalvin Cook is like, oh, snap, like, we see why. So, but it's just it's just Minnesota, oh, from your standpoint, they could just never get over that, that second-round hump when it came down to the playoffs. And that's that's when the coaching part really kicks in, the second-half adjustments. How, how does a cornerback in the NFL, how are they not able to make those adjustments by themselves? Like, it's obviously embarrassing when you get beat, right? Or I guess maybe not embarrassing, but whatever word no, you like to use. Well, <laughs> but you're an NFL star. I mean, like, you can use that. Yeah, yeah it's embarrassing. So, how, so how, why do they just F? Yep, it's here. So you got to know your personnel. So on the defensive side, if I know my personnel, I'm I'm always leaning on their strength. And as a player, you just got to understand, um, you got to have a high football IQ. Um, I got to put Ray Horton in, it, in there as well, my cornerback coach. So you got to you got to have a high IQ and. The IQ, um, I'm just going to simplify it for y'all. So, so you, our offense, like I never played a receiver, how we was taught. We always played the offensive coordinator. So the receiver mm -hmm. got to do exactly what the offensive coordinator call, run the route that they call, right? Depending on what coverage they see on the go, correct? Mm -hmm. Now, since I was lining up on the best wide receiver, I got to understand the relationship between the quarterback and that wide receiver, depending on the coverage. And your spider senses usually kick in. Now, every offensive coordinator, they run the same thing. They just run it from different formations. So they got five plays on first down. They got five plays on second down. They got five plays on third down. They just like to get to them plays, depending on how you play mm -hmm. and formation-wise. So we call it smoke and mirrors. So I tell y'all guys this. If y'all want to jot down, look at So we, we we break it down by quarters. So we break it down by the first four games. Y'all start watching football and just look at it from an offense or defense perspective. Don't go both. Look at it from one of the sides. Let's play defense. So we'll look at the offense coordinator. About time y'all get to the fourth game. You know the five plays that the offense coordinator want to do first, second, and third down. They just gonna get to it from different formations. Mm -hmm. That's all they're gonna do. Next time we have this discussion in the season, let's say we have this this Zoom call in week five, whatever team y'all like, y'all gonna give me the offensive coordinator five best plays in the formations they like to run it from. That's as simple as it yeah. 
Tang Wei on the defensive side. Defensive coordinators. And that's what I love about Coach LeBeau. Coach LeBeau had his plays as well. He just always told you the weakness of the defense. Like, here's the weakness of fire zone. Here's the weakness of cover three. Here's the weakness of cover two. Here's the weakness of two man. I'm telling y'all this because this is exactly how the offensive coordinator and the, and the quarterback is going to think. They're going to look for these holes. So, right, all you're doing is beating them to the punch. Yeah. Now, I coach, 12, I coach 12-year-old kids, and I tell them the exact way how I was taught. So, in week five, I guarantee y'all, from a defensive standpoint, y'all will give me y'all offensive coordinator five plays, first, second, and third down. And y'all will give me the formations they like to get into and get to them plays. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's awesome to hear that broken down like that. Because I'm now, now I'm going to watch the games completely different <laughs> and look Way for that. figure that for the last three years. I've yeah. been asking that question. <laughs> Drew Bledsoe failed that question. Yeah. <laughs> David Gilry failed Thank you. But, uh, no, it's great. With, with, with David, um, he mentioned that, uh, you know, he, he was – what what would you say, Sean? Like how his level in the NFL? Like it was a couple of years, right? Yeah, he was he was quick in, quick out. But um, so so take yeah. that, you know. But he said yeah. Antonio Brown was on another level. He he uh, he's probably the best wide receiver he's ever seen, and that's something that that really stuck out for me from a fan's viewpoint because I'm like, well, I want to hear your your take on that. So AB AB had six years with nobody in the league was better than him. Mm -hmm. I mean, just look at, um, I want to say from 2008 to probably, I'm sorry, from 2011 to about 2017, 18. I mean, he, he was on his, he was on the historical, you know, receiving. I mean, Jerry Rice kind of thing. And the good thing about AB, like, AB by far was the best route runner I've ever seen. And we used to call him Tony Totap because anything <laughs> thrown around that sideline, he was going to catch. Yeah. And there always was a wild factor. Like, man, how does dude catch this ball around the sideline with that DB on him? You know? But A.B. practice habits was unbelievable. So we used to have to wait for A.B. because every time A.B. caught a ball in practice, he sprinted to the touchdown every time. So when he got in the game, it wasn't a – on and off switch, it was his body was just used to catching the ball, making a move, and hitting a touchdown. Yeah. So it just it just carried on towards the field. Wow. Um, a B to do what he did to to get double and triple team and still had them yards and get wide open and be the player that he was. That's what made A B so special. Yeah. You know so. AB just AB was just, I mean, the dude different. I mean, yeah. regardless of how he acted now or how he acted the past couple of years, when you want to talk about on the field, um, AB had a run historically better than a lot of people. Yeah, and I, I don't want to dive too much into, and, and we don't have to touch on it if you don't want to, if you're not comfortable. But as far as kind of that stuff that has been happening with him um, over the past couple of years, do you think that's in relation to like? Could it be concussions? Could, could it be from hits? I know a lot of people talk about that. Oh, he was different after this hit. He was different after that hit. Um, do you think it's that, or do you think it's just kind of post-football, whatever's going on right now in his life? 
man, that adjustment is a mother. Yeah. You know, when you used to when you used to just be, you gotta understand people people at our level, uh, for the majority, they just used to always been a man. Um, mm -hmm. whether you started in sixth grade, middle school, high school, college, you know, once you get to the league, at some point in time, you just was used to being a man. Yeah. And the window closed ASAP. And what I try to tell these kids, because I train a lot of kids, is that NFL logo, one, stand for not for long, two, it's, it was, it's been here before you, and it's going to be long, long after you die. Yeah. So, and they got to protect that. They got to protect the shield. So y'all can play around if y'all want to and figure you bigger than the NFL. NFL going to get rid of you regardless. So yeah. I don't think it was, I don't think it was the hits. Um, I just think at once, at one point in time, he just probably felt like he was better than NFL. Yeah. And once that window closed, it closed. There ain't no coming back. Yeah. You know, once they shut that door, you can't reopen that door. Had plenty of chances. You know, they gave A.B. a lot of chances because he was that good of a talent. Um, but once they slammed that door, man, it's a wrap. So I don't yeah, think it done. was nothing to do with injuries. Um, Just sometimes the adjustment of yeah. mother. Yeah. The adjustment of mother. And me and Ryan Clark talk about this all the time. Like, we understood Troy was Michael Jackson and we was the Jackson 5. <laughs> We just had we just had to ride his coattail. It just yeah. came at a time where Troy was that good. He kept the whole locker room humble because he never acted out. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I was fortunate on that. So it be a good dude. He just, you know, what he doing right now. So, you know, sometimes that fame get to you, and yeah. you just can't check it. You just always reach forward. Mm -hmm. So that's 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 why I think. AB was at right now, regardless whether he won't admit it or not. Yeah. Okay. You no, might not feel this good way, to hear but from I think me. I think Troy was acting out with those head and shoulders commercials. Just saying, <laughs> but whatever. When they paying you, what you when they pay you, what they paying you just for some long hair, you're supposed to act out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that you bring up pay. Uh, my one question, because I'm I'm a poor Iowa kid here. What's the first thing you did when you got that check, man? Like, what did you think? Oh. Bought my mama a crib. Nice. That's the first thing I did. I bought mom. Wait, but crib. here in Iowa, that's like a trailer home. So, like, what do you mean? <laughs> nah, like, like in Iowa, I know, I know, three hundred thousand in Iowa give me something nice in Iowa. <laughs> yeah. probably, probably give me like five acres you and can, a big ass crib. You could probably buy Iowa for three hundred thousand. Honestly, you feel me? <laughs> oh, no drugs here. Don't, don't, don't come here. <laughs> Don't need it. Don't need it. Good man. Good man. So you you bought a uh, house in New yeah. Orleans or where at Louisiana? No, nah, she 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 live in North Carolina. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, mom lives in North Carolina, so that's where we at with it. I'm I'm in Orlando, Florida, but she in North Carolina. Okay. Awesome. Uh, I just got one last question. Uh, mm -hmm. Won't keep you much longer. I just uh, can I call you Ike? Ike? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can you please uh, just tell me what is Kirk Cousins like <laughs> it, it, it's it's here's my take let's hear yours mine is that he'll never be a Super Bowl champion he'll be good enough to make the playoffs every year and that's all the Vikings care about to make money until they find the guy so Kirk Kurt always gets you to the playoff 
what I would say, what I would say for Kurt as a coach, drop your nuts. So don't don't worry about making mistakes. You throw a pick, you throw a pick. Who cares? You got good enough receivers to whatever make you look good on how you throw the ball. You just gotta throw it in the area where they can make them plays. So that's all I would, and that really that's what separates. You know, just look at Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow figured, man, I just need to get it in T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and Jamar Chase area code. They're going to come down with the ball. So, Kirk, um, he don't have that trio like Joe has, but he got a pretty good down receiver in Justin Jefferson. Yeah. You know, so, and they finding, they finding ways to get him open, whether he's on the outside or inside. So, for Kirk, when it comes down to playoffs, it's just like, have that I don't give a F attitude. Like, I, you know, that's what I love about football. It ain't no such thing as a series. We don't give a five. We don't get a five <laughs> or a seven game series. It's one shot, one kill. Yeah. So every every game you get to the playoffs, man, just throw it, just throw it in their vicinity and them receivers going to catch the ball. Let them go get it. Awesome. Well, th- that's enough Vikings talk, Drew. So I don't want to hear another Vikings question out of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, last one, last one. <laughs> Do you think Jamar Chase is better than Justin Jefferson? Oh. It depends on who you ask. That's 1A, 1B. Yeah. Or that's 1B, 1A. Like, if you was to draft, if if you was a GM, you couldn't miss on either one of them. You could you like, you can't. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And if you want to go quarterback to quarterback, you might say Justin Jefferson because you think Joe Burrow is a better quarterback than uh than Kirk Cousins. But far as like receiver wise, you can't miss, bro. Like either either one. If I'm a GM and you wind up drafting Jamar Chase and I get Justin Jefferson, I'm like, man, we got the same people. <laughs> yeah, what are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. So that that's that's a when we have these discussions. Especially as players, as just being a fan, I tell people put their GM hat on. So if you're a GM, would you be mad if you got Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase, or would you be mad if you got Jamar Chase over Justin Jefferson? You wouldn't. You'll feel good about one of the two. Yeah, yeah I feel Dude, like I from there you just gotta look at. <laughs> I would have got Mitch uh-huh. Trubisky straight up. What'd you say? I would have passed on both of those fools. I would have picked Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> Well, then you got a you got a problem. It's a, yeah, he's he's not a very good GM. We gotta take the hat off him. <laughs> We're gonna take his hat off all day. <laughs> um, all right, I'll I'll finish it up here. We'll let you go. We appreciate your time so far. Um, we just usually do a rapid round of questions here. Um, some either ors just to finish it up. Uh, so I'll, so I'll hit you with a couple quick ones. All right. All right. All right. Brats or burgers. Burgers, but it got to be fish. I don't eat meat, so it got to be. Uh, okay, okay. It got to be a, a fish burger or something. All right, all right. Uh, beers or hard alcohol? Give me tequila all day. Tequila, I love it, <laughs> love it. Uh, the bus or Big Ben? Dang! <laughs> I knew that was going to get you. <laughs> Just, I want to make this clear. Ben follows us, just so you know. <laughs> no, no, neither of them follow us. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm going to go with Big Ben since Big you said ben. that. <laughs> uh, Christmas or Halloween? 
I'm a I'm I'm a huge fan of the joke. I'm a spooky guy, so I'm gonna go with uh, Halloween. Hell yeah, I like it. Uh, breakfast. My buddy, he uh he uh he has a Facebook. He only uh turns back on on November first, so he can check out all the college. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God>. Is that buddy? <laughs> Deactivate. Yeah. Oh oh shit! I'm talking about somebody else. <laughs> uh, breakfast or dinner? Breakfast all. I can eat breakfast all day. Hell yeah! Uh, Android or iPhone? iPhone me, please. <laughs> uh, TV show or movies? Movie me. Batman or Superman? Um, Joker. Okay, like I like that. And uh, crunchy peanut butter or creamy peanut butter? Um, watermelon me. <laughs> I love that. Um, and then okay, since you said Joker, just kind of off the top of my head, who's your favorite Joker? Is it Heath Ledger or who? Heath Ledger's a legend all day. Yeah. R.I.P. And then uh, last one here. Dream place to vacation or your favorite place that you've been for vacation? Toronto, the best city ever in the world. Toronto. Okay. I don't think I've heard that one, so I like that. Toronto, <laughs> the best city ever. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you so much for your time, Mike. You are an absolute legend. We appreciate you so much. Um, this has been this has been amazing to hear your insights. So, um Thank you. Th thank you. Thank you. I can't thank you enough, man. Yeah, Drew Sean, man. Appreciate the invite on the show. Hey, make sure y'all uh doing the season. Week five. Let's have this conversation. Let's go back over this conversation. We would we, we, we'd love to have you back on, man. We'd love to. Yeah, let me know. Let me know what y'all think about y'all OCs. Y'all have all the five plays, first, second, and third down, down. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm gonna have a notebook now on Sundays and be watching for our next one. Say less. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you very much, Ike. Uh, we'll we'll meet again after week five and uh and take care, all right? Likewise, y'all boys have a good summer. All right, Thanks, you Mr. Too. Taylor. Thank you. All right, love. Go this